You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. This is our final show of the 2017-2018 year. Submitted myself our final show here for good with WVUD as we are getting set to graduate this weekend. Brandon and Jake continuing on next year. But we have a very exciting show planned as we're going to take you through some of our top moments throughout the last few years. Obviously hit on some relevant news as well, but a very excited atmosphere we hope to create here to wrap it up in the final show. I mean, you feeling okay? I'm feeling great. I'm wearing sunglasses because uh, uh, it's a little dusty in here and I have allergies, but Teddy I feel was, great. Teddy was wiping the chalk off the chalkboard. That's all the dust we have. Yeah. That's the excuse we're going to No other with. way you'd want to go out, though. You know what I mean? I think we did it. 101 was the final count. We did it. We did it. We got an we, insurance broadcast right on the top, just in case. And we were going to be 102 if it wasn't for the rain delay. That's true. But we, hey, we hit over 100 broadcasts for the first time since 2003. I have to, obviously, off the top here, thank every single person who has supported us throughout the year, whether you're a frequent cage listener or just tune in every now and then or listen to our football, basketball, field hockey, ice hockey, baseball, even a little soccer in there. Am I missing anything? You got it. I think I got it all. All of the broadcasts that we did uh, really working to expand our coverage of Delaware Athletics these last couple years and building a very strong team. The cage was it was a thing in the 90s, but when Amit and I started as, a, as freshmen, this show did not exist. So we're thrilled that we were able to bring this back into action and obviously with Brandon and Jake, keep it going next year. Absolutely. And yep. they, 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 I'm hoping our listeners shouldn't expect too much change, right? No. I mean, obviously you can't replace a Teddy Gellman or a Med Quadri uh, you, you know, you just you can't just plug in somebody and fill those minutes. But, you know, we might have a little tweak here and there, but it'll still be the same topics, uh, you know, the same focus on Delaware Athletics with a touch of national sports news that you've come to expect over the course of the last two years. Uh, hoping to have a lot of guests on in the fall, uh, as it'll be at least to start just Jake and I as the co-host. Um, but you'll get to know everybody in our sports department as they make appearances as well. So it's something we're very excited about. Uh, but obviously you can't replace, like I said, a Teddy Gellman or a Med Quadri that easily. So it'll, it'll be a little bit different. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage Podcast. Welcome back inside the cage on 91.3 WVUD with Teddy Gellman. I'm Brandon Hovick, and we're now pleased to be joined by Eric Allen for the final iteration of Eric's Igloo as the Washington Capitals and the Las Vegas Golden Knights respectively punch their tickets to the Stanley Cup Finals, which will begin on Monday. Last night, it was the Capitals 4-0 in Game 7 on the road over the Tampa Bay Lightning to advance to the Stanley Cup Finals, where they've not been in quite some time. Teddy, your reactions, your thoughts coming out of that big win for your team. I was out of control. Let's begin with that. I was out of control. I actually tweeted out a video this morning um, at one of uh, the writers for the Washington Post, Dan Steinberg, and he retweeted it, so it got a lot of views today. Uh, after the Caps went up 3 to nothing, I was jumping up and down. I, You know, when it was one nothing after the quick Ovechkin goal, I was obviously excited, but I had to be nervous. But then once they got to three, you started to feel it a little bit. And I, I'm still, obviously anybody who knows Washington, D.C. sports knows that this has not happened since 1998, 
where a team has gone to the finals. And no team besides the Capitals has done that since, you know, the Redskins were there in 91. So it's been a long time coming, and I think I'm I'm still trying to process it and looking forward to Monday. But, uh, boy, it was quite a night. Heading into the game, especially in a series where road teams that had a lot of success what were your emotions heading into it? What were your thoughts about the Capitals' chance in Game 7? And did, you know, was it fathomable as it, from a fan's perspective that they would be making that next step to the Stanley Cup Finals? I think on paper it was because of how they had played on the road this season, the way Braden Holtby was playing in goal and the desperation that Washington played with in Game 6. But in the back of the mind is always, look what's happened in the past. Sure, the Caps got by the Penguins, but... They were up 2-0 in this series. Oh, look at this. They might blow it in Game 7. So I was very nervous, even though I, I, know they could, I, I knew that they could do it. It was just a matter of executing, and they did. Eric, as an outsider's perspective, your thoughts X and O's-wise, what happened in Game 7 here with the Caps up 4-0? Yeah, well, first I want to congratulate Teddy. Uh, oh, I know thanks. it's a long time coming, and I've, I grew up in the D.C. area. I know that a lot of people there are hurting when it comes to sports, not able to see their teams get to the championships, but they finally they've done that. Uh, I think for the past two years, they had a really good team when they faced the Penguins, and the Penguins won on the Willie Cup. So I, I know where you're sitting right now, and you still have a long way ahead uh, before you can claim that championship. But I do think that last, the last two years, you probably would have won a cup if you guys got by the Penguins. Uh, but now to this series, you know, I thought this going into the playoffs, I wasn't sure with the Holtby thing because it didn't seem like he was the guy, and he hadn't been playing well. But, you know, after he was benched for a while, and he got an opportunity to come back, he stole it, and he ran with it all the way. And I think that was the difference between the, these last couple of years. And, you know, you've had your depth and your everybody throughout stepping up. You've had Ovechkin taking the lead, uh, which he sometimes disappears, um, and, but not this time. And as you saw, he got that early goal, and they just kept going. And his energy and uh, leadership carried that team. And I don't think there's uh, any Penguins fans or fans out there that don't want to see Ovechkin get a cup because he is a generational talent and a, a great all-around player. I think many would say other things about Tom Wilson. I think most of the world hates him. Um, but for guys like Backstrom and for Ovechkin, they want to see the success. Um, so congratulations again. Um, but that team against Tampa, Tampa was a good team. They loaded up on the back end, but you guys were able to overcome that with your forwards. And Eric, here's the thing, and I, I don't know where your thought of the, on this was, and I was kind of skeptical about it at first, but in talking to some people, obviously uh, Capitals fans and other people, they were telling me in their mind that once the Caps got by the Penguins, that that was all they needed to finally make the run. Hey, we're still four wins away. Who knows what's going to happen? They could get swept by Vegas. They could sweep Vegas. Well, we don't know what's going to happen. But a lot of the conversation was maybe that was necessary, that they finally got past the nemesis, the Penguins, who the Caps have never been able to beat. In your mind, do you think what kind of a role do you think that played in their ability to win another series and move on to the finals. Yeah, that's a very valid point because, you know, it has been their mental block. Oh nine, the Penguins flurry shut them out in Game 7. Last year, it was, uh, Game 7, Penguins beat them, and then the year before that it was Game 6. So they've had sh- they've had trouble getting by the Penguins, and it definitely frustrated them, and you could see that last year. Um, but this year, I, I personally, and I think a lot of others, especially uh, analysts, insiders, high-up people, thought after uh, the GM proclaimed that the window was over after last year's big trade the deadline to bring in some top-end talent and then lost, We'd, I honestly wasn't sure they'd make the playoffs. And if they did, I thought they might have been a wild card. But they came through. They won the division. Um, not as decisively. They didn't win the President's Trophy, but they still won the division. But then they still played with that underdog role. They went in and played Columbus. They played one former Penguin in Ian Cole, got through him. Next bigger step, you play the Penguins. Once they got over that hurdle, and they were like, hey, we can beat the Penguins. 
then it's on to Tampa, who missed the playoffs last year, but the year before that was in the Eastern Conference Final against the Penguins. And they were up 3-2 to two going into Game 6, losing both of them, allowing the Penguins and the Caps to advance. Um, but then they have Chris Kunitz, so another Penguin there. Um, but I think the biggest uh, Penguin that they have to get through mentally and just uh, to get through is Marc-Andre Fleury, because he's backstopped that guy team. The guy in the net. Uh, the guy in the net. And Fleury, arguably, in my opinion, should have been a Vezina finalist. Uh, I think that he deserved it, even with his injuries. Uh, he missed a couple. He missed some games, uh, so his game total wasn't up there. But his stats have been phenomenal throughout the playoffs, um, and he's shutting the door and giving them an opportunity to win games uh, with offense because their offense hasn't been scoring like it was during the regular season. But there's all-around hockey over there in Vegas um, is really going to create a hurdle because I think that they can go a two-way game, a little bit more depth than even, uh, or at least up front than Tampa, and that's that's kind of hard to say because Tampa their top-end depth. Stamkos, he really wasn't there at all. Like he kind of was non-existent. Same with Tyler Johnson. And when you're missing those two top end guys, uh, your offense, even though they're deep, they're missing their top weapons. And I feel like for them, it was almost like the Penguins playing Boston in 2013 when they just could not score because they had no goals in the last two games. For the casual fan, now we're you know moving on to the next series where you're talking about Mark Andre Fleury being this roadblock for the Capitals to overcome against the Golden Knights. For the casual fan, how did Fleury, who's been a highly talented player, one of their best players. How did he get from Pittsburgh to Las Vegas? What what happened along the road there for him to be unprotected when Vegas goes into this expansion draft last summer? Yeah, very good point. So Mark Andre Fleury, kind of, uh, he well two years ago going into the playoffs, he got hurt, and they called up this rookie uh, Matt Murray, uh, who was having a heck of a year down in Wilkes-Barre, the AHL team, and he came up and he just started winning games. That year they won playoff games with three different goalies. Uh, but Matt Murray was the main guy. He got hurt, but when he came back, he was put back in net, and he went with it. Um, he won the Cup as a rookie, but didn't have the technically number of games to be not a rookie the next year. So the next year, he was still a rookie, and he goes back and he wins a Cup. Two years in a row, he wins a Cup, even though last year Marc-Andre Fleury carried that team through the first two rounds before Matt Murray got healthy again because he was injured gotcha. and then re- regained the net. But after that, with the expansion draft, you have to protect a certain number of players, uh, they made a trade. They sent Mark Andre Fleury and a second, round, or they sent a second round pick to Vegas to protect Brian Rust, um, with the condition that they take Mark Andre Fleury. So it was like a super win for Vegas. Like it, it was a very fair, nice deal, because uh, they likely would have taken him anyway. He's a great character guy, very good leadership. He has experience in all situations, uh, and he can be a face of a franchise, which he has become there. And uh, I think that he's the perfect guy. Everybody loves him, and they love him in Vegas, too. And I think that's important to help grow a franchise that's just starting out. Yeah. And even more so, getting to the Stanley Cup, that's where you really get a lot of your fans. So you know, by winning and being successful, that team has now really made the most of their opportunity. They paid $500 million for that team, and they drafted well. They, I even thought they could have drafted better players, but would have had a shorter term or more cap or whatnot. And they're there on year one. I, I predicted they'd make the playoffs going into the season. Halfway through the year, I was like, wow, this is a, like a lot better than I thought they'd be. Maybe they get to the Western Conference Final, but I don't see them getting past Nashville or Winnipeg. But now that they're there, I think they have as good of a chance as Washington to win. And keep this in mind. Whoever wins game one will have won their first playoff game. Their first, first game first, won. First Stanley Cup, first Stanley Cup oh, final okay. game. Um, because both teams, Washington was there once. You said 98, I believe. 98, swept uh, by Detroit. Yeah, swept, so no, no wins there. And in the first playoffs of Vegas, they have an opportunity to do that and be the like before uh, the Washington Capitals, which would be a great accomplishment. 
Um, but either way, I think it's great for hockey. Uh, it's either going to be Ovechkin and Backstrom finally break the curse, or it's going to be uh, the new franchise goes all the way. And that would really set a good framework for the next team because it sounds like Seattle will be getting a team in a couple years. Well, we were talking earlier, as you take a look kind of more as at the national landscape at this matchup, these aren't high-profile teams. They aren't big cities, big markets. But I think as a fan, you have to love the storylines that you have going into this. I mean, this could be the first time a major sports team as an expansion franchise wins a championship in their first year. I mean, it's incredible that they're even at this point, that they even made it to the conference finals, let alone the Stanley Cup finals. But then on the other side, it's a team in Washington that hasn't been there since 1998. They've consistently been one of the best teams in their conference and yet hasn't been able to get over the hump. So you take a player like Ovechkin and he could finally get his first championship, maybe in a way that if you look to the NFL, Peyton Manning took so long to get through the uh, AFC Conference Championship before he got his first ring in 2006 with the Colts, something like that. Still a, a great story that plays nationally. Where do you guys think most fans who don't have a rooting interest in this will come down? Which side do you think they'll come down on? Yeah, you know, I think because Vegas, they had the opportunity to do the expansion draft, they took one player from each team. So that means there's one person from every team out there that they can root for. Uh, so I think it's more natural to root maybe for Vegas. Maybe they want to see a mix-up. Maybe they're a Western Conference fan, and they want to see their conference win one for a change. Um, or they could just be big superstar fans and really want to see Ovechkin get his. And, you know, I'm I'm divided because, like, I, there's guys on uh, Vegas. They have Marc-Andre Fleury, Derek Englund, who was loved also, and he's an assistant captain there. Uh, he was the one that was given the, uh, I forget what their, the Western Conference Cup or finalist cup is called, but sure. whatever that one was, mm-hmm. he was the one that was, received that. Um, they have uh, David Perron, uh, James Neal, I think there was one other Penguin on that team. Um, Pot- oh, and Ryan Reeves, who scored the game-winning goal to send them to the cup. Um, so there's a lot of guys, as a Penguins fan, that I can root for on that team uh, because they played for the Penguins in the past. But then again, like I mean, I recognize the Capitals. I'm from the D.C. area. And I remember when they first got Ovechkin and started made the, making the playoffs, hockey just skyrocketed there, which was great for me because I played hockey. Um, so I think it has a chance to do that again in either markets, but more so probably in Vegas if they were to win. Absolutely. And even as a Washington fan, I'm able to look at the matchup and say, I'm not sure if there's anything on either side here unless there's a certain interest and in, not to get into specifics, but teams as a whole, not entirely sure what you could hate in, in this matchup. N- nobody's won it. You've Except- got... You've got Except for Tom Wolf. Sure, that's what I tried to avoid getting into, <laughs> but I couldn't sidestep it too much. Um, and I think that there's a lot that people can attach with. One thing I want to add, I think it was game six against the Penguins. It might have been earlier in the series. I was reading about this earlier. I didn't know about this. The Capitals radio announcer, John Walton, at some point, he could sense the nerves. It might have been game five at Capital One Arena when the series was tied, and he could sense the nerves among the fans thinking, here we go again. Caps are going to lose to the Penguins. And he yelled out during a commercial break to the people in the seats just below his radio booth, it's okay to believe. And it caught on as you could say, oh, it's a little cheesy, it's a little corny, but it caught on as somewhat, yeah, of, a, cool. somewhat of a mantra. And it almost, to an extent, lessened your nerves. Because then, and I want to ask you guys who have experienced winning what does that feel like? Because until recently. Because sure. <laughs> well, I'm thinking. I'm thinking Phillies, Eagles. Sure, sure. I'm thinking in the you know in my um, lifetime. Sure, because it's it's foreign. And as a DC fan, when you've gone through time after time after time, any of the four sports, they fool you. You think you're going somewhere, and then you don't. 
And when you finally do, John Walton, the radio guy, saying, hey, you know what? We can believe. It's okay to think that we can do that. And the team is just out there having fun. And Ovechkin growing as a captain. I mean, I thought he was fantastic yesterday. And, and that's a, a feeling that is, that is foreign. And I'm intrigued by it. And I want more of it. I, I think that trope of the team that has gotten so close and consistently been denied, I think that's overplayed by a lot of teams. But I think in this case, it's actually true. And it, it has been 20 years since the last time a D.C. sports franchise has been in a championship game. It's one of the longest droughts uh, for a major market like that in the country. I think Minneapolis uh, is right behind, maybe. Is that a major market? It's borderline. I mean, I mean yeah, I guess, for, I guess overall, for all, well, the sports, yeah. for all the sports. They're saying like, they, cities yeah. that have four major teams. Yeah, okay. So you, Minneapolis is and on it, the list. Yeah, and it's not even just that, okay, they have four major teams and they haven't made it. These are, in the D.C. teams, teams that have been close, very close, in, especially the Wizards and the Capitals more recently, consistent playoff teams been to the conference finals multiple times and haven't um, you know, made it over the hump. So, so I think that's really cool that the radio guy did that and kind of let people relax a little bit because it is a feeling that you're easy to jump onto, especially if you look back to Philadelphia Eagles this past year. You know, Nobody thought going into the season that they were going to be the Super Bowl team. And week 13, when Carson Wentz goes down, you think it's all over. And then, you know, I was on the, the side of Nick Foles was terrible at the end of the regular season because he was. And in the playoff game against the Falcons, I was happy they won one, but Nick Foles was still terrible. And it finally took until the fourth quarter against the Patriots when Tom Brady stripped that you think they actually have a chance to win this game because they hadn't gotten a stop the whole time. Um, so it's a cool feeling because you, you put, like we were talking about with the Eagles before, you put so much invo- emotional capital into it. And you never really think that's going to pay off. And when it finally does, it's like this weird feeling of awe and kind of being struck that you don't really know quite how to describe or what it is. And it you know, might only be there for this next week during that championship game, especially if they lose. But I think with this team getting to this point even, you want to win the championship, but you still get that feeling because they had been stuck getting to this stage for so long, for so many times. Yeah, and I, you know, I honestly think that maybe to the players it's a little bit overplayed because like they try and they try their best to start new. I know Burakovsky had a sports psychologist, and I think that other players may have quietly had them too because I think it was a real issue. You could tell the last two years, even after '09, because they faced each other a number of times in the playoffs. Um, that that's the frustration. But for the fans, I think that's carried longer than it has for the players. I agree. Uh, because um, for example, my roommate who's a Capitals fan, he has not really adamantly watched every single playoff game because he's like, oh. They'll find a way to lose. They'll just give them time. They'll well, find that, a way. Well, that was me in the first two it, but, rounds. And that was you in the first two rounds. But once you finally got past the Penguins, you're like, hey, maybe we can actually do this. But Vegas, I did not give you guys as much credit. I thought Vegas was going to steamroll you guys um, because Ve- they— You mean Tampa? T- or Tampa, Tampa. yes. Uh, they were going to steamroll you guys because, you know, they seemed to be scoring in the last round. Uh, they they faced a very tough opponent in Boston. To, um, they were Everybody was playing well on that team in that series. They took it pretty quickly, but then— you guys won the first two games, and I was like, okay, you guys you guys have this one. It's going to be hard for you to lose four of, what was it, four of five. Um, but you almost did that, and I, then I got a little worried. When it came to game six, I was like, ooh, how are they going to blow it this time? And, I, you know, like, because I think that was like most Cavs fans. When they lost three in a row, you probably thought it was done. Did you? I don't. Th- I don't. I don't think I, I thought it was done, but I think that – it felt right in a strange, <laughs> twisted felt, felt way. Right because you guys in, have choked a, a bunch in a past. strange, twisted way. It felt 
right, so it didn't upset me. So when I kept my because you were kind of expecting when I kept my expect when you keep your expectations lower in mean in life you're happier (laughs) but but this playoff but your expectations have been lowered by the fact that they haven't done this perennially and to be honest I think going into the cup final that they're. They're they're remaining low. I'm not to the point of saying I'm just happy to be here, but I I think to an extent it's look at this. Let's just get out there and play and see what happens. Forget about the hype. Forget about the expectation. Just play it. And I'm and I'm so excited for the matchup. Obviously, I want them to win, but to see Vegas, I haven't really seen them play a lot. I'm just very excited to see it happen and and be there, be in the championship round. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was gonna say. Like with the Penguins, their motto is just play. You can't be thinking about the next game or three games from then, or what's going to happen in the offseason, you have to live in the moment and you have to enjoy the Stanley Cup Final because you don't know, as you know, it won't, you don't know when the next time will be. It could be next year. It could be 20, 30. It could be 100 years. You really don't know. I hope it's not. Um, but you, right, you, you really don't, don't know, know when it will be. You can ask Cubs fans the same thing. Um, they, they had a long drought, and you know you probably didn't know when this was going to end after last year because it kind of seemed like you were going to go into rebuild. But you guys lost Backstrom. Fought through it. Lars Eller stepped up. Everybody stepped up throughout your lineup. And, you know, I think they've done what they can do. And you just have to go out there and support your team and cheer for them and just enjoy the moment. Enjoy every game. Be there. Watch it. Do your pregame ritual if you have it. Uh, but just just enjoy it because, you know, I think this is going to be a good matchup between two teams that bring a certain dynamic to the game that is going to be fun for everybody to watch. I don't think there's going to be a blowout on either side. Um, but certainly both teams are capable of it on any given day. Uh, because of their talent, and you know, I, I think that this game is going to come down to Game Six or Game Seven. And unfortunately for me, I'm not going to be able to watch anything past Game Two. Anything you want to add before we sign off here on the Igloo for one last time? It's been quite a run. Yeah, it has been quite a run. Hopefully, uh, it'll still be two Stanley Cups to one Stanley Cup for you. Um, you know, I've really enjoyed doing this. Uh, the Eric's Igloo, as you call it, or the Igloo, as I like to call it. Uh, either way, <laughs> either way, you like to call the Igloo, the Igloo. Um, I've enjoyed it, and I'm glad we've been able to do this. And you know, I'm kind of sad to see it end here. That's Eric Allen. You could hear him next year for sure. He'll be back here as a PhD student heading to uh, master's. Master's. I'll, I, you'll get there eventually. Uh, <laughs> working we'll working in meteorology, so he'll be working with uh, Rachel with some Delaware ice hockey. Eric, always a pleasure. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. Coming up with it is Taylor Lister, just outside of the circle. She's battled by a couple Tar Heels defenders. Now she'll go back to Greta. Knock with a little bit of space. Greta, a backhander. Score! Greta Knock, it's one to nothing, Blue Hens. 5.20 to go in the half. One to nothing, Delaware. Kiki Bink takes it in the middle, and now the Blue Hens will come to it. Toward the center. Wide set. Score! Megan Wide set punches it in, and the Blue Hens are up two to nothing. That pass was picked up by Taylor Lister as she comes towards the offensive circle. Pass across, and it's the end for Blue Hens! It is it! Greta Knox with the goal, and Delaware comes right back! 3-2 is our score with just under six minutes remaining. The score is 3-2. Five seconds on the clock. Sarkozy has it. Passes it out of bounds. Two seconds on the clock. One second on the clock, and the Blue Hens win! The Blue Hens are national champions! Of field hockey! Joined by goalkeeper Emily Nolman and midfielder Greta Knox. How does it feel right now? Great! Unbelievable! <laughs> I, I can't find words for it. It's, it's, it's amazing.
You're listening to 91.3 WVUD, where national champions are born. Well, it's been a little while now, and at some point we'll have to retire the IDs from the national champions, but it was a 2016 Delaware field hockey team that went down to Old Dominion University and defeated UNC, the Tar Heels, a perennial powerhouse in one of the greater seasons that a Delaware athletic program has ever had. And we're going to take a few minutes right now and relive it and remember it and take you through what that was like for us. Also, that call... From the promo, what you heard from Brandon and myself, that broadcast was on the basement. And that was the first national championship national championship game that WVUD had ever done on the basement. I forgot about that for a little while. But then I remembered because football back in the day when the team was good uh, before, you know, obviously they're getting there now. But beforehand, <laughs> they we had some national championships here on FM. That was in the basement. Brandon, Mike, myself went down there and capped off what was a really incredible run for the team. Yeah, we we got caught up in it. We were in, in the middle of the storm. Uh we didn't cover field hockey at the beginning of the season, but we, we didn't had to even pick know it up. we didn't even know how to how it went. No, I we didn't know we, the rules. We were learning as we went, but that's just what you do when you got a national champion at your school. But I mean we didn't even know that they, they win the CAA like that was exciting as the first step. They start winning games that first weekend when they were at Duke, we weren't able to go then, but then they make it to the second weekend in Norfolk, Virginia, and that was a cool experience. On Friday, it was just Mike and I, right, for the first game. You produced it, Correct. and then we brought yes. everybody back Sunday. I mean, that was, that was the three of us did four games in three days. That was a wild weekend. We did the semifinals with Mike and I on Friday. Saturday, we drove back. Mike and I drove back. We'd, you and Mike did football, and I produced a it. A huge blowout to Villanova. Uh-huh. You probably didn't even want to be there because it was really cold. It was raining and cold. Uh-huh. And then Mike came back to the studio, and I went and called women's basketball that night. And then Sunday morning, we woke up at 5 a.m. and drove back to Virginia and called the national championship. Why'd we do all this? Where was Jake and Amid? Where, well, I, where was everybody? Biz- I don't know. Uh, I think I produced the basketball game that Brandon did. No, it was Mike. Uh, not not calling you out. No, it was, I know. It was the weekend. That, I was here. It was the I was weekend before Thanksgiving break. Yeah, I was so definitely here for that. So we lose a lot of people. I could for look back. I could break. look back in my old. Look do- at the schedule. I could look at my old documents. If, oh, if we no, need. I, I, the that was my freshman, freshman year. Oh yeah, yes. that was my freshman yeah. year. Well, yeah. that I mean, it it happened really quickly. They because the field hockey postseason wasn't that long. It happened quickly, and we didn't cover the first two games, but then we did the the final the two. final four. Yeah. We, and when you said, I like that you said that, we got caught up in it. Because looking back now, I, I don't want to devalue the championship, but I remember writing a column upstairs in the review a couple weeks ago, and essentially it was about how like that that win didn't... We, we talked about this on the show. That win didn't change the perception of the athletic department, but a football team that goes all the way, obviously that would really overhaul the perception. But in the moment, we were so into that. I remember you being down there. You were... I did play-by-play in the first half. You did it in the second half. And right after the game was over, immediately when it was over, I might have said one word. I took my headset off. I sprinted downstairs to throw the crowd mic to Mike. (laughs) And, and, you know, it's like what they do right after somebody wins a Super Bowl. You're there interviewing We didn't have a plan. And all of a sudden, 
you and I doing post game, and Mike come because we had this is inside baseball, but we had equipment problems, so we didn't we didn't go off the air in the second half. Do you remember that? Yeah, the Zephyr was acting up a yeah. little. Yeah, so we didn't go off the air. You and I were doing post game. Mike ran down there, and all out of the piles of people on the field, Mike emerges with Greta Nock and Emily Nolman's walking da- back to his sideline. Mike, and as soon as that happened, you're like, "I'm going to go down there." And I did the last like five or ten minutes by myself of post game while you guys were, you know, getting getting the story, you know, as you, as you have to do. And then we eventually all met up back down on the field, press conference, so forth. Drove uh, as we we're driving home, we wrote a story. You know, you did the whole thing. We have. I played a promo earlier. It was our original Blue Hen Sports Cage promo. A soundbite from a mid on there <laughs> that I, I guess this is from the show because we hadn't been calling games then. But the soundbite from yeah, a mid is from you know show. field hockey. They they may not get as much love as they should, but a, a great team always competitive here at Delaware. That may be actually word for word the way it is. <laughs> yeah. And and the mid they they did it. They, they, we made that promo, and a couple months later they they won the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. And and the. What occurred afterwards was amazing. The national recognition. I mean, they were getting calls from Joe Biden. They got invited to the White House. I mean, keep in mind that really only happens when you win either a national championship for basketball, football, or then the major, the four or five major sports. So to be able to get that recognition, uh, got to give some credit to the University of Delaware de- athletic department. I mean, a good job of making sure all sports are competitive, but with field hockey going above and beyond, uh, honestly, really just glad to say I was a part of that even. And that kind of picked up the same time where I started to get more involved in the cage. And I remember the first probably four or five weeks, I was like, listen, I know nothing about field hockey when we talk about it on the cage. And I just sat back and let you guys talk. And then the next three weeks, I was like, I don't know a lot about field hockey, but I know a little bit more. And then we got to the playoff time, and I was like, okay, I can actually provide decent information on what's going on on these field hockey games. And it was like we are we were witnessing something, like Teddy said, where we haven't really had a, a team that we're like, okay, we might have a national champion team on our hands. So it was great to see kind of the energy and how everybody in the sports department as a whole was interested in how this field hockey team was doing and we always talked about it and whenever any updates came we always talked about it with each other and that was kind of the the first real um sports story that i had with wvud was coming into this whole national championship field hockey so i i guess it was, i got lucky and it was a good thing to come into yeah and again i mean you have to put it in perspective here and understand yeah, we might have got caught up in it, but so did a lot of people, and for good reason. I mean, this was a... a yeah, I mean, do, you, remember you remember that celebration and the yeah, whole thing? there was a whole celebration down at the Bob. Do you remember the year? Was it women's lacrosse? Somebody, nobody had won a championship for a number of years. I think it was 1983. So no Delaware D1 team had won a national championship since two, since 1983? With, if you don't include football. Football in 2004, that was the correction, that was made... Um, because football's national championship, you know, in, in most people's eyes, it's a national championship, but it's at the FCS level. It's not at the NCAA, the entire Division One level, the way that this field hockey national championship was, where Delaware beats North Carolina in the final game, as opposed to, like, East Washington or James Madison. Uh, but the last time that a team has won NCAA Division One across the board, best team in the nation without dispute, was 1983. And I think it was good for us that we got into that and we picked up on it. And this year they didn't have quite the same success. And 
you know, we'll see where they go this next year and, and beyond. But that was a time when you look in the perspective of the athletic department and the context of the athletic department. Chrissy Raywalk, the AD, was making a lot of changes. And while she's doing all of this, oh, all of a sudden, you know, one of my teams just won the national championship, too. And we, we were lucky to be able to be accommodated throughout our, our trip down there. And then we had them on the show afterwards. And, and it was a great time. And just to kind of remember how fast that weekend went that I, yeah. I didn't remember that until you brought that up. All the different games and all the different things we had going on there. It was really a fun time. 2016, 2016. national champions. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. It's, why don't we get to that real quick, real quick right now. What what can people expect? Can they expect any major changes? What sports can everybody expect to receive on a consistent basis next year? Delaware football, beginning preparations to book our trip to North Dakota State. Yep. That will be the biggest one. Uh, but all 11 Delaware football games home and away, all Delaware men's and women's basketball home games, all Delaware baseball home games, and then we might mix in some others as well. This past season, we made it a priority to cover all home field hockey games. Might push that back to just championship season for them, uh, but if men's soccer is on the rise, men's lacrosse, those sports that we've covered here and there throughout the couple, last couple of years— We'll kind of continue to do so in the same fashion. And for those who have been listening for a while, they know that uh, when we get to the show and Brandon and I normally have our conversations, Teddy's there to stop the the haymakers being thrown. And now with Brandon and I as the only two in the cage, we have to make sure that no haymakers get thrown because if one of us goes down, one of us has to run the cage ourselves. So it'll be... Uh, fun to get that going. And also, we're going to try to add uh, maybe one segment here and there to kind of yeah. uh, get a new look, a new spiced up kind of uh, thing. And as we're going to talk to the rest of the people on the sports department, see what they like, see maybe if they want to come on and do a little fun segment here and there. You said football season. You can count on football season. It's a big football season as year two of Rocco will be underway in the end of August, early September to relive the 2017 season, Brandon has put together a beautiful montage that will lead us into a great discussion about this past season, about what went on with Danny Rocco's team, obviously the premier program here at the University of Delaware, and a program that appears to be on the rise and up and down 2017 season under new head coach Danny Rocco. Here are the sounds of the 2017 season. I'm here to help return Delaware football to a level of national prominence and put our brand back on the national stage. That's what I'm here the Delaware Blue Hens face off in their season opener against the Delaware State Hornets. Four and seven each of the last two years. I think you got to feed off the fans. This is the first game. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of excitement. He says this is one of the most talented teams he has ever coached. Close, complete. Touchdown, Blue Hens. Deontay Cherry. Picked off by Nigel Hill. That'll all but do it for the Delaware State Hornets. This stadium, as here come the Hokies, holds 65,000. And it's something that the Blue Hens have never seen before. Virginia Tech defeating the Blue Hens 27-0. Uh, I'm disappointed. Uh, I'm not discouraged, though. The defense is going to be the heart of this team. Uh, defensively, all in all, pretty good day's work. The Hens make it official. 41-14, to the victory to move them to 2-1 and on the season. It was one of those games where if we really would have played a clean game and a complete game, 
uh, we really could have dominated that scoreboard. We bring this to you following James Madison's 20-10 win in their first CAA game. The Blue Hens fall to 2-2. Two and two. He's got a man open and it's intercepted. Screen out to the right to Williams. He drops it and that's a lateral that is dropped and that's going to be a turnover and a touchdown for the Duke. The offense was pitiful. Back down to 47 yards today. It looks just like last year. J.P. Caruso is going to be coming in. So Joe Walker is being benched. Pocket collapses and he is down. He is sacked. That will stop the field in their tracks. The Blue Hens trailed at halftime in this game 20-7, to but then outscored Stony Brook 17 to nothing in the second half. And I think when things really got tight up there Saturday night in the fourth quarter, I think maybe for the first time around here we started recognizing this team thinks they're going to win. It's Delaware versus William & Mary in a classic CAA matchup. Over the middle, east side, Jarman, touchdown, Blue Hens! Delaware comes away with a 17 to nothing victory. It was their best defensive performance to date. Being able to come out here and win against Richmond would certainly be a definitive uh, signature win. And he's up and over and flipping in. He's in for a touchdown. Jamie Jarman, have yourself a day. 28, 28, 29 seconds left in the game. A little bit over 30 yard field goal. The kick is up and it's blocked. This stadium is in disbelief. We need overtime to settle this one. This is our last chance. Hey, it's just one of those days for me that you just gain an even greater appreciation. The Blue Heads win! Players on the Richmond sideline meant an awful lot to me. I think Caruso came into his own there late in the game. Just believe. We told each other that, you know, we got this. We're going to pull this out. 18 to 17 upset loss at Towson. Delaware did not show up to play. It was a game in which Delaware led 14 to 3. It was a trap game for them, and they fell right into that trap. The Delaware Blue Hen traveling north to take on the main Black Bears. Caught by Joe Walker into main territory. Walker still on his feet. Under pressure. Now he rolls. Looking. He's got a man open. Caught for the touchdown. That's Brandon Whaley. And they put a stranglehold on this one from Portland. Uh, we did a lot today with Joe Walker. I mean, I always know how to catch the ball. I just never played the position. With the win, the Blue Hens back up to the top of the CAA. Delaware 6-3 and three on the season. Playing host to the Albany Great Danes. Walker is loose! Inside the 30-yard line and down. Uh-oh, he fumbles the football. He's up for grabs. It's intercepted. Blaine Woodson gets it off the tip. Or it catches my eye every single day. Touchdown, Corey Sproul. I told him four weeks ago. I said, we're going to need you in November. A good rushing attack has the potential to get even better. Under center is the quarterback, Shetlick. He's going to take his keeper, and he's in the end zone. Villanova advances their lead to four scores. And the Blue Hens season falling apart. At the seams, the Blue Hens fall to the Wildcats 28-7, finishing the regular season with a record of 7-4 and 5-3 in the CAA. Based on the pool of candidates, this team uh, deserved an opportunity uh, to participate uh, in the postseason, and we were denied that opportunity. You know, we came here to uh, do something extraordinary with our program, and I think that uh, we uh, took a step forward, and we certainly remain on track. They were close, weren't close enough. Rocco thought that after that loss to Villanova, the Blue Hens had the potential to still get a, a bid 
to the FCS football tournament. They didn't end up getting it, and that was it for Rocco's first season. Thank you again to Brandon for putting that together. That was fantastic. All of the sounds with De- the Delaware Football Roundup, the podcast Brandon and I had did had worked on in the fall, and clips from the games and sound bites from coaches, players, etc., really taking you through the season, which I think we'd all agree for the first time in our time here at Delaware and for a minute and I the last time, but something that's going to continue, there was serious excitement surrounding this program that wasn't at all there in the past. And sure, they didn't make the playoffs, but the expectations are now higher heading into this season. And I think the 2017 Delaware football season told us a lot about where this program is headed moving forward. I would absolutely agree. I think they're right there. And you know, today there was a rankings that, ranking uh, that came out of the top FCS conferences, and the CAA is number one. Obviously, James Madison is the front runner, but there's no reason why Delaware can't be that next team. Last year, they had a good case to actually make it into the playoffs, even though they dropped that final game against Villanova. Had they won that game, which they were favored in, at 8-3 and three overall and six wins in the conference, they would have been locks for the playoffs. So to go from a team that had four wins, fires their head coach midseason, to a team that is right on the cusp of the playoffs in one year is quite a turnaround. And with barely any top talent leaving this team, with much of the core of this team coming back intact, there's no reason to think that this team can't be an eight or nine win team off the bat plus whatever improvements they can make over the course of the spring or have made over the course of the spring and what improvements they'll make over the course of the summer heading into this season. You know, I was I was I had the final baseball game on it would have been on Friday. It was the last baseball game I was doing. I was walking to the press box at Bob Hanna Stadium with Rachel, Rachel Sawicki, who if you haven't heard the name, you'll hear it a lot next year because she'll be doing a lot of our hockey coverage. Rachel and I were walking to the baseball stadium and I was looking at the stands at Delaware Stadium, and I looked at her, and I said, this might sound weird because it's May right now, and why should I care? I'm leaving here in a week. But I said, I really miss football season. It was fun, this past season especially. I looked forward to getting up there, and I've got a special surprise a little later on the show with the flashback to maybe my first football game. But this past season was a lot of fun. There was a renewed yeah. sense of energy down there. And we— we really got deep into it. Like I felt like I really knew the the tone of the team, if you will, the kind of the vibe that you would get week after week, being at most of the games, being at the Monday press conference with Rocco, writing about the teams, calling the games, talking about it on the podcast, talking about it on this Thursday show. It was really, when you look back on it and compare it to what we're doing now, like we were so far immersed into that season, into everything that was going on with the football team. And It'll be really exciting to kind of do that again next fall because, like I just said, this is a team that should be a playoff contender. And you know we'll be right there every step of the way. Last year, we started thinking about that Saturday after the Villanova game, thinking, okay, maybe if, what if they make it in? Would they have a home game? Who would do it? That sort of thing. And I think this year, that should be the expectation from the beginning is to have that next Saturday in be open for a, a playoff game because that's where they should be. It was also a different narrative every week. I mean, last yeah. year when we looked at it, it was, all right, well, did the the miracle pass get completed? Did the heave get completed? No? All right, let's look to next week. But this season was, we have a dynamic in the quarterback position. We have a defense that 
quote-unquote came out of nowhere. We knew they were going to be good, but I don't think any of us expected to be this good. We had a, a, a running back committee that now kind of narrowed itself down to a little bit of a tandem. And Rocco with his first season. It was every week there was something new to talk about, and every week, uh, for the most part, was something positive to talk about. Even with a loss against JMU, even with a loss against Virginia Tech, yeah. there were so many positives to talk about, which I think brought this whole entire football segment kind of uh, a little faster down the down the hill because it was just positivity. We knew that we had something going for us, and it was just easier for us to talk about it and get involved with it. Like you said with the James Madison game, you think about that 20-10. to 10, They played them closer than anybody did all regular season. Virginia Tech, it could have been a 10 to nothing game at halftime, and they, you know, they should have been in that game a little bit longer if a few things break the other way. One of the things that Rocco said at his final – press availability of the season that has stayed with me aside from his um jockeying if you will for them trying to be in the playoffs one thing he said about the team is that throughout the season they were kind of scraping things together week to week the team never really had an identity they had enough talent and good coaching that they were able to be in every game but week to week they were constantly changing what they did, especially on the offensive side of the ball. When you think about the emergence of Corey Sproul late in the season, that definitely goes along with it. Joe Walker transitioning from quarterback to wide receiver and being probably the top reason why they won that game up in Portland, Maine. They were constantly shape-shifting based on their opponent throughout the season. And one thing that he wanted to do over the course of this offseason and that I expect will be different next year is they will have that identity. They will have their core players that they will go to, whether it's a Kanai Kane or a Corey Sproul or Kareem Williams. They will have found that out in the offseason. And when they hit the ground against Delaware State, or excuse me, Rhode Island, no Delaware State this year, Rhode Island, Thursday, August 30th, they will hit the ground running, knowing exactly the path for this team to the playoffs, exactly what that will be and what it would look like if they're a playoff contender. They will have the plan set in year two. Yeah, I mean, whether... You like it or not, as far as funding is concerned and excitement is concerned. I mean, the football team is kind of the heart and soul. It's like the heartbeat of the school. And whether they're good or bad, it's it's that football team and then followed by the basketball team. But, you know, if they do good, it's good for the school. It's, it's, it's good for the environment, the atmosphere. And that's, I think, what Teddy was talking about earlier when we first felt it shift, the atmosphere and the environment. Um, when we, as far as student involvement, just fan involvement, um, you talk about your season ticket holders, their expectations, the donors. So I think complete as a program, um, uh, I guess compare or putting it together with the school as a whole and the program, the University of Delaware as a whole. Uh, I, I think there definitely has been a shift, and I think next year, not saying we're going to be you know Alabama or Florida, but you'll feel that football atmosphere on Saturdays on game days. Uh, you saw it with some of the improvements, some of the plans that the University of Delaware has to improve um, as far as uh, the physical stadium itself. But I think they're definitely headed in the right direction. And Teddy and I won't really get to experience it, but get excited for game days because we enjoyed it our last year. And I think you guys will enjoy it your next year's. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. As we begin to wind our way down on this evening's show, we wanted to have a little bit of fun and take a road down memory lane back to the beginning of an era. A beginning of an a beginning of an era that included Amit and I as we wrap up our show here. This is Everybody got some Kleenex? This is the uh, got 
super dusty in here. <laughs> we can go, I'm sure there's some tissues in the bathroom. I'll go grab them. Okay. So this is uh, Amit and I called a number of games our freshman year, and we have some, which are now very funny clips from our beginning moments. This is when Amit and I. Well, I guess I don't know what your grade status was at the time. I was a freshman. Um, red shirt. <laughs> Yikes. Red shirt. <laughs> red shirt. Senior. Red shirt. Sophomore. Something like that. Red shirt. Sophomore. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this. I was a, I was a year older. Than I'll you. fact check. Take that. We'll just... So let me just play this first. I'm not going to say anything. October 2014. Welcome to Tubby Raymond Stadium tonight. The University of Delaware Fighting Blue Hens take on the William and Mary Tribe. It's Saturday Night Football in Newark. Teddy Gelman with you for this action. The Blue Hens trying to get back on track after two consecutive road losses to Villanova and then North Carolina. Things did not look great for the Hens to start this fourth quarter, but Rago now, hands down 23-21, to 21, four seconds left in the game. Frank Rago to attempt a game-winning 29-yard field goal. He stands at his own 19. Rago is set. Here's the snap, the hold, the kick is up! This is a winner. And it is good! I, I have the video. The Hens win it! Frank Rago puts it in, and the Blue Hens have him on the field. I have a video of this. This was the Blue insane. The tribe, 24 to 23 this is when we weren't even good. Yeah. You could see how excited this was. Hold on, you're coming in a second. Pick up the second win of the season, and it could not be in wow. more spectacular fashion. So Amit comes on wow. with the wow <laughs> at the end of this. After I, I mean, I was rambling for a very long time, and then when I finally settled down, speechless. You, 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 you couldn't say anything. Again, so you do you remember you remember that moment, the game-winning field goal, Frank Rago. Right. This was like early on in my career, also, and this was in a long field goal. It was like a thirty-yard or something, and he hit that, and it was it was pretty nice. And I mean, again, I was kind of speechless because I haven't done many games, and to be able to like witness that, that was like that was kind of it for me. I was like, oh man, this is about to be like, you know, a hell of a four years. But yeah, to, to, and then what happened after to have, that? <laughs> We're still working on it. But, um, yeah, to kind of have that be, like, one of your first, like, not even football games, but one of your first, like, sporting events to do with 91.3, I mean, that was, you know, I guess it was a downhill after that, right? <laughs> Hard to top. But it, that was good. That was a great game. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was one of our better moments. I mean, it was – it might have been the first game we ever did. And together, yes, that was the first game we ever did. The first game we ever did yeah. together. Yeah, I mean, it, I remember this. It was in a time when I think the team was actually their record. They might have been okay, but they, they lost a lot after that. They they had a bad finish to the season, but it was fun to experience that. So that was our first football game together. You want to hear our first basketball game together? Oh, let's do it. I get this queued up here. This will be sometime in November. Good evening and welcome to the Bob Carpenter Center. Tonight, the University of Delaware men's fighting blue hands basketball team takes on the South Florida Bulls in a non-conference game. The hands coming off of a very impressive win on Tuesday night against Bradley. They won that game 70-47. to Look to continue the momentum tonight against the Bulls. Glad you've tuned in. Teddy Gelman, Amid Quadri with you. 
10 seconds on the game clock. Bulls hold to the final shot. Down 30 to 19. Nunez in the corner. 4-3. A good look. He missed it. Rebound down by Holden. Two on the shot clock. Across the halfway line. He'll take a shot. Oh! Corey Holden as the buzzer sounds in the first half. And the hands go jumping into the locker room with a 33-19 lead. Corey Holden with the buzzer beater. Corey Holden did, did you, is the superhero we Corey all need in the first. Corey Holden won the Powerball? What just happened? You would think we just won the championship. Oh my God. He saved the world with one hand with oh that God. shot. If you didn't pick up on it, that was the end of the first half. <laughs> hey, every shot counts those points add up those count those count just as much as they do in the fourth quarter. oh my god you look back That's at that now one. you sound ridiculous sound ridiculous i also remember that game that was um demarcus cousins brother was yes, on that team yes i remember this game and i i don't know we didn't i didn't we didn't really acknowledge each other but i try to you know get his attention but i don't know what he's doing now with his life i hope he's doing great things but that i remember that game also like it was yesterday i i just remember did they win did Delaware win i it would have been a rare, a rare victory. Yeah. It would have been a rare victory. I mean, what, like seven wins that season? They had, no, less. They had seven my freshman year. So they had more, but they, they weren't good. No. They might have had just above ten or something like that. Yeah, but, my freshman, they had seven overall. But this is when you when you just— They t- had the program worst losing streak. Yeah. This is when you're just starting out and— yeah. You, you see this happen, you know. Get you. You have to vividly describe everything, and we're winning. The, we're winning by twelve points. It's not even halftime. Buzzer beater. I mean, you would think we just won it all with with that that call right there. A lot of screaming, very high. Well, you think of all the experiences that both of you guys have had since then to put that situation into perspective and like open your eyes to what's out there. I mean, they're countless. How many big games you've been to? Yeah. How many? Um, it just you know, puts just things events in perspective. that you've been to that have now given you that perspective. You just see what you've learned and how much you have improved throughout when when you listen to that. But it's always funny going going back and, and hearing that and being able to know from the start, hey, I'm on the court side. This is my show. I run this show at the basketball game. And even if I'm a little uncomfortable with what's going on, you, you get through it. And Amid was there from the beginning. I mean, you did a lot of games as color. Yeah. And I, I, I really... I'm grateful to be able to have tried a little bit of everything, but I'm so happy I found my spot in color because that's what I felt like I was good at. And I felt like I had a unique individual chemistry with each and every one of you. So color was really where I found my home. I always thought that you were you know, prototypical <laughs> basketball color. Not saying you were bad at football or any other sport, but that's the sport that's, you love most, right? Absolutely. So it just fit. Yeah. I think that's still the dream. We'll hang on to that. Until I get a call or something, but mm-hmm. basketball color has to really be a highlight for me personally. Yeah, I mean, my first basketball game was also with you, Ahmed. And I don't know if you remember this. Well, one, you should have late, but <laughs> per usual. so he showed up on time, is what you're telling me. So, so I'm this freshman. I walk into the to the stadium or the arena, you know, whatever, thirty, forty minutes before the yeah. game. I miraculously get the equipment set up by mm-hmm. myself. I never had met met you before. Yeah, um, I remember I, texting you like. Yo, I'm outside. And you didn't have I think like the your credential about, or something. Yeah, I don't know what happened. It was a wreck. <laughs> Classic a med move. <laughs> it's a wreck. Yeah, and then I texted you, and then I think it was like right before tip off or something. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I was yeah. like flustered. So basically, I joined you after. Yeah, the, you joined me, yeah. and I think on the dock you were supposed to be play by play, and I was supposed to be color, and yeah. you were like, 
I'm you not got, doing, you got it, I'm boy. I'm not doing play by play. Yeah, you're like, you keep it up, boy. I'll just, I'll just find my spot, yeah. and then from there, look where, look where we are now. I mean, I think we did back to back games where I was play by play, you were color, and the next yeah. week you were play by play and I was color. Yeah. So I had two different experiences to like see where you fit for it. And mm-hmm. the the play by play game, I think, was women's basketball blowout. Yeah. And there was not much to talk about that, which was great because I can get into this like. Jeff or Stan Van, or not Stan Jeff, Jeff Van, Gundy. Van Gundy, excuse me, and Mark Jackson kind of spiel on like, is the Earth really round? And and we kind of go yeah, on we were and talking our, about some and things. blowout type conversations as they do on ESPN and other such networks. But the other game was a men's basketball Saturday night game that was down to the wire. I want to say it was Towson, and we we had both Towson games, both down to the wire games, and those were two of the best games I think I've called. Uh, on WVUD, especially in the basketball section. So good memories to take away. Two great games and two that, I mean, at least I'll remember is then I still have hopefully two more years here to get a few more. I hope you guys are both keeping all of the footage. I guess footage is the wrong word. Audio files. So you could do this. Oh, Oh, yeah. Right here on the hard drive. Yeah, it's going to be everything. Jake, I'm curious. What was your first experience or interaction with Teddy like? So the actual first time that I interacted with Teddy was, I think, day two of my freshman year. Day one. Day one of my freshman year. <laughs> and, <laughs> Just to make sure. <laughs> and From the jump, all the RAs introduced themselves, and Teddy addressed it. He works with the sports department and all that, and if you want to get um, interested in it, to contact him. And after all the RAs introduced themselves, I went up to Teddy. And I was like, hey, I'm interested. Let's do it. And I... Uh, emailed him and I got in touch with him and my RA at that time was like really pushing for me to get into the sports department and then uh, I produced a few games and from the first time I like talked to Teddy he was like I was like I want to be involved and he's like all right you're gonna do he like planned out the whole week for me he's like you're gonna do this you're gonna do this and at this time on Saturday you're gonna be here you're gonna learn how to produce you're gonna brush your teeth after you're gonna go to bed and that's your day and I was like all right I'm in it I know what I'm doing let's do it and then from that moment on I fell in, fell into the WVUD sports department. That was my first main interaction with Teddy. Ted, Teddy's always got the schedule. That's kind of that was one of our inside jokes that we don't really do as much. Um, when you ask like Teddy what to do, he's like, "I got to fit this into this yeah. ten minute block." But he, you were the first person that I, I like interacted with here that like had stuff to do. Like you, you have like because you're involved in so many different things, and you're always a leader in what you do. You, you can't just, oh, yeah, just hang out. Like, every, when you're a freshman, everybody doesn't have anything to do. They just sit around and do whatever and watch movies and stuff. And Teddy was the first person since he's a year older than me that was like, nope, you need to be here at this time. And that's kind of the model for, like, getting myself organized and focused. And you see a lot of people, and you're almost shocked when they're like, I have to do something. You're like, oh, my goodness, you're doing something. <laughs> but when you look at Teddy, you're almost shocked when he's like, yeah, I can do that. I have time. I can fit it into my schedule. Yeah, let's do it. And I was like, wait, he's not doing a tour while calling a game and being a being an RA? Like, he has he has time for this? He could do it? So it's like that whole, like you said, it's he has everything planned out. He has everything kind of set for him, and I think that's what made the sports department as a whole. First, yeah. that, first was, of all, that we hit, reflect, hit 101. It was reflected into what we do as a department. But yeah, sure. it, everything flows so much better. And it evens out. Like, Teddy has the schedule lined up, and Matt's like, I'll tell you what I'm doing I mean, there was times where I, I, told Teddy, I told Teddy, I was like, lie to me. Tell me this meeting is 30 minutes before it actually is. And then I would get there 30 minutes late, which was 
actually on time. Like I would literally tell him that lie to me. Please. I feel like we've done that this year. Yeah. I think we're like, well, it yeah. literally happened like don't, today. Don't change me, man. But um, I really, I also want to mention my one thing with Brandon. We went to South Carolina twice, and the first time we went together, and that has to be was, for me my awesome. best memory. Uh, to be able to, I mean, that's when you really know someone when you spend the night with them and you got to wake up at five a.m. with them. Uh, this guy came to my house in the middle of nowhere, Delaware, <laughs> at four in the morning. And then we went to the airport um, to some guy playing our station because we told him we we're on 91.3. So we forcefully listened to bluegrass music <laughs> at, at 6 a.m. and then got on an airplane while— With a pilot. With, the other yeah, guy was a pilot. The other guy was a pilot. So I think that uh, that South Carolina memory with me, again, no offense to Teddy and Jake, but that first trip, Brandon, that was that like was no awesome. other. And again, also for me personally, I haven't really took a business trip, quote unquote, like that. So that was an experience, and that's when I guess you make a new level of relationship or friendship when you got to spend like seventy two hours with someone, it and was that, awesome, was, that was that was hell of a weekend. So quick. Yeah, it that was, was a hell a of a weekend. weekend. So that was really that was one of my best memories with Brandon. And you get, you, and I'm sure Brandon can vouch. You get that point with each person here, right. and even the sports department, where you're like, you get that relationship. Like you feel that you have created the relationship. Like I know when Teddy and I did my first baseball game and he did we did a baseball game together and we finished the broadcast and teddy and i kind of just looked at each other and we like mutually acknowledged that like that was a good broadcast <laughs> like that was a well put together broadcast that's and the best though. and i was like we'd literally do that after every show like i think this was yeah one and, of then, our best and then I, I was like on the downloads like all right he liked it check step one yeah. gain approval step two gain yeah. friendship and I was like, check 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 and then step three on the cage the first time that Ahmed and I did our Uncaged podcast yeah. has to be up there when Absolutely. we kind of sat down and we had really no idea what we were yeah. getting ourselves into. And then – I don't know if we, you ever knew what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> no, we into. really didn't because we would, we, we would text each other and we're like, so what are we doing? And then yeah. I, get a, I get a Google Doc at like 4 in the morning of Ahmed <laughs> yeah. and it, it literally just says Uncaged, time 3.30, date to be determined, guest to be determined, topics to be determined <laughs> – and then we just start filling them in. And that's just and, how it ran. And I think that's where we kind of found our footing was like we talk about what we want to talk about. So uncaged, definitely. Definitely. That's all I was just going to say. <laughs> that's the end of his sentence. Jake. Teddy, off to you. Definitely. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. We'll spend these last 10 minutes or so talking about our experiences and what WVUD and the WVUD Sports Department has meant to us before we end, as we always do, around the huddle and with 300 violin. Amir, the floor is yours. Um, I remember telling my mom when I first I first tried to do this, the whole sports thing, because where I come from, where my family background is, you're either supposed to be like doctors, engineers. So I remember telling my mom, I was like, yo, I'm really like into this whole sports thing. I might do like sports, sports radio or stuff like that, like games. And I remember how disappointed she was because she's like, this is not like, you know, because my parents, where they come from, is like, this isn't a real job. Like, you got to get a real job. You're going to really have a career in this. And from then to now, all the things I've accomplished and uh, we've accomplished as a team. Um, and then I remember the first time my mom, like, uh, heard me on the radio. And then she was like, oh, well, you know, this isn't so bad at all. And then you, she got, got a glimpse of me on uh on the television and and everything kind of seemed like oh this is you know you could really do something with this and i think the things we have accomplished and the things i've been able to show them and the support i've gotten with them and you guys i mean 
that has kind of made this all this, this whole decision like man we can really do this because this is something that's kind of i guess you would say it's like you know art theater or history it's one of those it's one of those careers that isn't for anyone but this is something i love so to be able to do something you love um is really an honor uh again i was i was just asking you uh earlier but steve craymark dave mckenzie uh, these guys also really huge, instrumental, honestly, in this. Um, I want to say thank you to them for always being there. But at the same time, I know this sounds weird, but to to kind of let just to not being there as far as when I say that, I mean, letting, you know, us do our thing and letting us make our mistakes and letting us kind of uh, grow and being there when we did need them. So they really gave us the freedom and the independence to do what we wanted to do, what we needed to do while being there at the same time. Um, again, I can't go over all the names, but um, Teddy, the sports directors before you, uh, I've worked with a couple of them. Uh, again, not to play favorites here, but you were the best of the best here. So a lot of credit goes to you. You set the tone, not only for the last like three, four years, but moving forward. I truly believe your imprint will be on this uh, this this RSO, this organization, 91.3 WVUD forever. I know that sounds really dramatic, but uh, what you did, you kind of set the tone. So I think it, that'll be there forever. Jake Lampert, obviously. Brandon Holvec, obviously. And again, anyone I've ever done a game with or anyone that I've ever uh, produced, anything, anything uh, at all down here we've did, events, anything like that, I want to say thank you. Uh, it means a lot to me, and it means a lot to my family and me personally. And again, uh, the cage will always have a special place in my heart. Thank you, guys. And obviously, you have played a very valuable role in the Appreciate department it. over the last few years for when you came in, and you've always had that that innovation that... Um, you know, there are some things everybody's good at and some things people aren't as good at. And, you know, some things that you're very good at is the spontaneity and getting things done on a creative basis. Will you show up on time? No, but we can live <laughs> with that. We can live with that every now and then. Going from what you've been able to do to what I've been able to do, you know, when I had to step up to the stage at uh, Trabant, what would it have been, two Thursdays ago, when I received the Grossman Award at UD Awards, I, I, I don't think I was perfectly able to verbalize what, I wanted to say in the moment after winning that award and part of me was like well you better say the right thing right now because you're in front of a microphone and that's where you belong I could do it now now as we wrap up this I'm able to put into words and perspective everything that's happened and when it began back my freshman year and I was a biology major and I paraded into Perkins and found the the, the table for activities night and I found the sports director at the time, Sam Schwartz, and I talked to him about sports. And he said, oh, yeah, we do games. And I found that really intriguing. But I was going to be a biology major. So that was that. So I started doing some football games, some games progressively here and there. And the sports department was wide open at the time. There was a lot of space for me to come in and make my mark immediately. Then I started doing hockey. Then I became sports director last year. Then the cage took off. And now, not just Brandon Jake, but to see Rachel, what she's done this year has been uh, spectacular as a freshman and what she's going to be moving forward and to wrap up here today and take everything that we've done and really embrace what this has meant here in the studio, what student media can hold for us and the value that this can have not only down here, but also upstairs with the review and all of the great work that has happened this 
is a great experience. And this is an experience that I, for one, like as you mentioned, Amid, will keep forever. It is by far, no doubt, no competition, miles ahead, the best thing I've done in my four years of college. And it'll be the hardest thing to leave after my four years of college. But I hope in some capacity, I will keep it going. So it's been a pleasure. Just wanted to take a moment and thank both of you guys for what you've done, first and foremost, for the the structure for the organization itself. Um, I don't know if everybody who comes into it now kind of knows what it was before. And again, not to knock down anybody who has been in your roles previously, but it was not what it is today. And that is all because of what you guys did collectively. Teddy, from an organizational standpoint, and Ahmed, from kind of taking what we do what we do as a product and taking it to the next level um, in your analysis and your way of thinking. That's something that Teddy just alluded to. Um, but but more importantly, you know, thank you for you guys always being around and being great friends. And I would agree with you wholeheartedly, Teddy, that one, this is the best experience that I've had here and one that I wasn't expecting to necessarily have with such a tight-knit group. And two, that you belong behind a mic. Yeah, and it, it's been kind of rare that somebody coming in their freshman year can just jump into something and feel like they're definitely a part of it and like going even with uh, the things that Ahmed and I have done with the podcast and I feel like I have actually created a relationship that I feel will last and even when I remember getting off the phone after I talked to Teddy outside my room and Teddy's kind of like you can do like this is your sports department you have Brandon and then next year is like something you can do. And Brandon, you put out a document uh, for next year that you're like, what do you want your goal to be? And I kind of wrote it as a joke, but I kind of wrote it as like really serious. And you can pull it up. I said, I want to be the second coming of Teddy Gelman. And I mean, <laughs> I mean that wholeheartedly. And those are probably some of the biggest shoes anyone's ever set to fill. But for somebody, like I said, my freshman year to have a role model, to have somebody that like you really want to be and a good one at that has been incredible for me. So... Thank you both. Thank you for everything. And hopefully next year, the year after, maybe not hit that Teddy Gelman level, but be be just as close, maybe with maybe without the organization. We'll end as we always do. No other way we'd rather do it. Let's go around the huddle. We got NBA tonight. It's game five. Golden State, Houston. Who do you like? It's kind of hard to say Golden State here, but I'm going to. I think Golden State wins this. Houston has the momentum. Houston has a talent, but you really expect this Golden State team to do much better than they did last game. I think Golden State really needs this one. They've been confident throughout the series, but if they fall back 3-2, to two, it's going to be tough for them. This is an important game. I'm going with Golden State, but I think it's going to be very close. I wouldn't be surprised to see Houston pull out a win. I think the Rockets found something. They dealt with a lot of adversity last game. I got the Rockets in a close one. I agree with you. Rockets in a close one. Game 6 in Cleveland tomorrow. Cavaliers-Celtics. I hate to say it, but I think the Celtics close it. I think they close the door. They win the series in six games. LeBron is exhausted, and you really can't say that he's out of gas because it's LeBron James, but I really don't think he has enough in the tank to take down the Celtics team. This this one could go either way. I'm going to go with the Cavaliers because it's LeBron James. I think he's got one more Herculean effort in him, 45-plus points, triple-double. But if the Celtics close it out, I wouldn't be surprised. I still pick the Celtics overall to take this series. They've been great at home. They're suspect on the road, though, and that's where it'll be played. It'll be played in Cleveland, so I think LeBron gets one more. Yeah, I'm going to go with 
the Boston Celtics closing it out. I agree with Jake with this one. I think they will make their uh, first finals appearance since Paul Pierce and company. It's going to be exciting to watch what they do. I got the Cavs. I think they're going to go seven real quick now. Caps, Golden Knights. Who do you like in the Stanley Cup Finals? Going Golden with Knights. One of the few players I know in hockey, and that's Ovechkin. Give me the Capitals. I'm going to go with the Caps. I got to go with the Golden Knights. I want to see this. I want to see. I love you, Teddy, but I want to see history being made. It's going to be a great series. Absolutely. It begins on Monday. Well, for everybody here at WVUD Sports and here at WVUD and here at the University of Delaware, I made Quadri and myself. We're signing off for one final time. Dave McKenzie, Steve Craymark, Abby, our GM, Adelie, our previous GM, Greg, Sam, all of my sports department, Jake, Brandon, Ahmed. This is Teddy Gelman signing off for one last time on Blue Hen Sports Cage. You've been listening to WVUD and WVUD HD1 Newark. Take care, everybody.